Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Seminole Softball Wrap. Uh, Gwen and I, Brian Peller and Gwen Rhodes, probably introduce who we are before I just say Gwen and I. But Gwen and I continuing our uh, season preview episode. Season just over a month away. You excited yet or what? Yeah, I'm really excited. Once football wrapped up, or I guess for the most part wrapped up, it's like it's softball season. It's time. Yeah, it uh, it felt like that. I mean, you know, basketball seems to be going the way it is. So everyone's just like, perfect, softball, and th- which I really appreciated. You know, I... Uh, no secret, obviously, growing up an LSU fan, it was like as soon as football ended, it was always like baseball season because basketball just doesn't matter. So yeah. uh, thanks thanks to uh, the the basketball teams for uh, letting us just jump straight, straight to softball. Uh, this one is our non-conference schedule preview. So we did the ACC top to bottom covering all the teams, their off seasons, kind of beyond. If you followed those, it's kind of going to be just like that. If you missed them, go back. They're hyperlinked in this article. Jump to them. Gwen did a great job. Notes on pretty much... Every team insanely thorough. And if you don't appreciate this episode, she was insanely thorough again, and it kept her entire Sunday here as we're recording busy. Uh, It's a lot of teams. She's the brains on this one. So thank you, Gwen. You're welcome. I mean, I have fun doing this. I really do. It's, I mean, like I said to Brian earlier, it does get kind of tedious when you're literally just sitting here doing it for hours. But I mean, it is fun just to kind of go over the teams that FSU will be playing. And if you're a softball fan in general, you'll enjoy hearing about these other teams as well, not just because they're playing Florida State. Yeah, and it's a fun schedule. It starts in about a month. Uh, they're hosting the Joanne Graf Classic, and they've got a couple of fun tournaments uh, kind of all over the country, one in your area, one in my world. Uh, well, I guess two kind of in my world, but one more specifically over here. Uh, and then some midweek games. you got Florida, Texas, Alabama. So we're going to cover all of that. Plus, Gwen's mad at me, and that, uh, <laughs> that, that could boil over this week. So we'll find out about that later in the show, too. But we'll keep it civil for now, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll start with the with, – you know, the most current games just work towards the end of the schedule. So I mentioned they start with the classic at home, February 8th through 11th. That's a week from tomorrow as we record this. I don't know when it's going to get published, but just so you guys know, it's January 7th. As we record this. I'm exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll play Charlotte on that Thursday and Friday, Texas Tech S- and uh, FAMU on Saturday, and then FAMU again on Sunday. Gwen, I'll just let you just give you the tournament. If there's a yeah. particular team you really that you really feel strong about Charlotte uh, or, or or FAMU, I'll let you take it. But I imagine you have a lot more on Texas Tech. Yeah, I I, I think I honestly probably maybe have a little bit more on Charlotte. Just Charlotte. Because Charlotte is kind of I guess maybe I don't want to say the better of the three teams, but definitely like in the past couple years, the better of the three teams and has sustained that kind of level. Um, just I guess just a four note. For like all these teams, I'm kind of going to go through like their key losses, transfers, if they have any impact freshmen or any other headline news for the team. 
Um, so that's kind of the rubric we're going to be following for these teams. So to start off with Charlotte, they do lose uh, Bailey Vinoy, Amelia Warrock, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, and Cassidy Krupit. So two hitters and a pitcher. Bailey Vinoy was one of their best hitters, kind of arguably in program history. So they do lose her. They lose Cass Krupit, who was a South Carolina transfer for the last season. Um, They do bring in a couple of good transfers. They bring in Abigail Knight from Boston College. Christina Wellen from Florida and Leah Powell from South Carolina. Only about two of those have played probably four years at their respective schools. Christina Wellen played at UF, redshirted last season, kind of came off the bench as a freshman. So not really a whole lot from Christina at her Florida career, but she obviously played in the SEC. She knows what that's like. Um, so three players with Power 5 experience going to be great for Charlotte. That's a little bit of their MO the past couple seasons. They bring in, they like to bring in transfers with that Power 5 experience. Um, and it's kind of the reason why they've been such a great team the past couple of seasons as well. Um, Pitching-wise, they kind of keep the same three pitchers. Um, Sam, Sam Gress, like I said, they bring in Leah Powell. Sam Gress is a transfer from NC State a couple of seasons ago. And Lena Elkins, so they have a really great pitching staff as well. Um, Texas Tech, I think this is going to be like the headliner game just because um, Craig Schneider is coming back. He was obviously... Um, on staff for the Seminoles for a, a really long time. He left a couple years ago to go to Texas A&M as an assistant coach and is now, I believe, in his second season as the head guy over at Texas Tech. Um, so that's really exciting. He also brings in Morgan Claveman, who was a 2018 national championship as cha- national champion, as we all know. So she's assistant on staff. And Bryce Tikolv, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He was a GA for us last season. So he is their pitching coach over at Texas Tech, so a lot of FSU headlines um, with the Red Raiders. They lose Mackenzie Herzog, as we all know. She was a freshman a few seasons ago for the Seminoles. Went over to Texas A&M with Craig Schneider and then went over to Texas Tech with Schneider again um, and has been great at A&M and Texas Tech. So she departs the program, a pretty big loss in their pitching circle. Um, but they bring in... Aubrey Barnhart from Alabama and Jenna Lord from Ole Miss. Both both players were at Alabama at the same time, but um, Jenna went to Ole Miss after she went to Alabama, and now they are both at Texas Tech. So um, SEC experience, Power 5 experience, which I think is what Texas Tech kind of really needs. Um, the past couple seasons before Craig Schneider got there, they were bottom of the barrel, unfortunately, in the Big 12. But I think since he's been there, he's done a really great job of turning that program around. Um, that's what you want to see out of someone who, you know, spent time at Florida State and has gone elsewhere. And plus, he's just a really great guy. So great to see Texas Tech coming back um, to Tallahassee, Craig Schneider coming back and um, just their overall success for the Red Raiders. And then FAMU, obviously, Tallahassee just coming over. Um, they do lose about four players um, just to graduation. One of their one of them is their leader in hitting. So they do lose that um, in the lineup, but they bring in Naomi Jones from Ole Miss, who was a 48-game starter um, this past season for the Rebels, and they bring over Tatiana Davis from Jacksonville. So they bring in a couple uh, Power 5 players and then one in-state player. Jacksonville is a pretty good program. So that's all we have for the first uh, <laughs> first tournament of the season. Yeah, I think I need to apologize for Charlotte. I was going through and making notes the whole way through on teams. I was like, I had the... the, the uh tournament up and was making note i'm like oh little star here made the tournament little star here made the tournament and um miss charlotte so apologies to them 
the the 49ers my apologies. uh yeah yep charlotte uh took duke kind of to the end in their regional final so they did a really great job i think this is their first last season was their first tournament bid i i want to say ever but i'm not sure at least in the past several years as far as i know it's the it's the only one i remember certainly yeah yeah that's a good joke uh <laughs> next up is the tournament in my area here in the tampa bay region the shriners children's Clearwater Invita- Invitational, uh, February 15th or the 18th. That's obviously, like I said, in Clearwater. Um, kind of this one is sort of like the early season Women's College World Series. It's, it's, feels like it's always loaded with teams. Yeah. I mean, it's always loaded with teams. FSU is literally always there, um, for good reason. There's great teams and it's kind of in their own backyard. Um, they historically do very well in Clearwater. Um, and that's obviously a really good sign for the season. Um, they start off with Stanford, I believe. I believe I did this in order. So they start yeah, off with Stanford. It's Stanford on Thursday, UCLA on Friday, Georgia on Saturday. And then I think they have the, that, that Georgia game is like really early on Saturday. And then Tennessee is like the late game on Sunday. Yep. Yep. Sticking with the late Sunday game, which FSU loves and ESPN loves to give them. Yeah. Um, so starting off with Stanford, Stanford was in the women's college world series last year. I don't, I don't remember if we ever matched up with them. I off the top of my head, to be honest, I should have written. That I down. don't think so. Yeah. No. So Stanford um, loses a pretty good amount of players. They lose about four players. One of those being Alana Vodder, who transferred over to South Carolina, um, who was kind of in the running for, you know, possibly transferring over to Florida State. But just academically, I believe is, you know, USC fitted her better um, in her plan for everything. So um, they lose out on Alana Vodder, but they do return Najarie Kennedy who was the national freshman of the year which I mean she literally took the softball world by storm so she's a really yeah. great and still have her in the circle I would assume she's kind of kind of the ace um I'm sure their freshmen are really great um they do bring in a two-time Arkansas Gatorade player of the year Alyssa Houston as well in a, in the pitching circle um so they do have her and Najri to kind of go you know that 1A and 1B, I would assume, but I, I would assume Najri gets the ball most of the time. Um, they also bring in Taryn Kern from Indiana, who was the Big Ten player and freshman of the year for the Hoosiers, as well as an NFCA top three freshman finalist um, in all Big Ten freshman and first team. So they have a really great team once again. Like I said, they do lose out on three or four seniors, but they still have um, Najri, they bring in Alyssa and Taryn, and they also bring back River Mailer, who was all Pac-12 um, first team defensive and freshman. So yeah. that's it for Stanford. Did you have something to say, Brian? Yeah, they they so Stanford, obviously, uh, to jog some memories, that didn't match up with Florida State last year in the, in the um, College World Series. The crossover there was if they had lost to Washington – then they yeah. would have dropped the other side and played them. So we previewed that game as a potential matchup, but they didn't obviously play. Uh, the big story, I think, for Stanford last season was um, obviously, obviously the bursting on the scene, but also the um, the 9-8 split. Remember, Duke got the 8 and Stanford yeah. got the 9, so they had the cross-country coming back, and they still won that region. I think they won a 2-0. Um, yeah. So they were that big kind of story early in that super regional round. Um, but I think the other big story was the next team on this list, UCLA, losing in their regional. Yeah, UCLA, I mean, I'll talk about it right now, just like losing in their regional and the, the amazing senior class that they had. So they lost Megan Framo. Obviously, we all know who she is if you're an FSU or just softball fan in general. Um, they lost Kelly Gooden, Anna Vines, Aaliyah Jordan, who I literally was like a seventh-year senior. So she's actually gone from UCLA. 
Um, Lauren Shaw and Brooke Yan is in the circle. So they lose three starting pitchers right there. Um, and like I said, just that class of players, it was it was kind of sad to see them go um, in the regional. But if obviously, if you're an FSU fan, you kind of silently or maybe not so silently cheered for that. Um, and then they bring in a couple transfers. They bring in Jada Cecil from UC San Diego um, and Jadalyn Alchin from Washington, who is an outfielder. So they bring in that Pac-12 experience, um, Power 5 experience with Jadalyn. Um, but they don't really reload, I guess you would say. They do have one really great freshman, Caitlin Terry, who was a pitcher outfielder. She was a two-time Arizona Gatorade Player of the Year. So kind of helping um, with the returners in the circle. Um, Taylor Tinsley, who was a freshman last season, she was really great in the circle. Um, so I would assume Caitlin and Taylor kind of go, you know, maybe one, two and one B kind of thing. Um, they also bring back really amazing they had a really amazing freshman class last season so they bring back Jordan Woolery as well as Megan Grant um, who are both really great dynamic powerful freshmen Um, Jordan was Pac-12 freshman of the year um, and they both spent time with USA softball this summer so they have that kind of reloaded experience Um, and then Maya Brady what can you say about Maya Brady other than absolutely outstanding things um, she was Pac-12 Player of the Year, famously Tom Brady's niece, and USA Softball Player of the Year finalist. So they bring back a really loaded team. Um, no matter if they lost five or six outstanding players, they bring back a really great team as well. The next team on the list is, is one you had to beat to get to the Women's College World Series. You bring them into your place for the Super Regional and the Georgia Bulldogs. You won that 2-0, but... Um, you know, they, they weren't, I mean, the first one was a, a bit of a blowout, but it was uh, competitive. Yeah. I, Georgia is always a really great team, obviously because they're in the SEC. Um, but I just feel like they've had players the past, you know, three or four years that have been consistently good and that's what makes them fearful and makes them really good. Um, they do bring in three transfers. We've talked about this before, um, just with North Carolina and our previous show, but they bring in Lily Backus. If you want to hear about Lily Backus, you can, you know, go to our <laughs> North Carolina preview. Um, they bring in Sarah Gordon from Louisville and they bring in Rachel Gibson from Clemson. Sarah Gordon was the ACC player of the year um, or not ACC player of the year, ACC freshman of the year. Sorry. Um, and they bring in Rachel Gibson from Clemson. So they bring in an all ACC transfer class, if you want to say that. Um, and they lose out on Britton Rogers in the circle, like we said before, is kind of that give and take with North Carolina. They take Lily Backus and they give Britton Rogers, um, who was kind of a, you know, relief pitcher kind of role. Um, but they do have Shelby Walters, Madison Kerpix in the circle as well. So I kind of expect a little bit of a four-headed monster with Georgia, with Shelby, Lily, Madison, and Rachel. Rachel didn't really pitch much at Clemson, but I think Part of the reason her transferring over to Georgia is to get that more experienced playing time. Um, And I believe she's from Georgia. So Um, they also bring back Sydney Kuma um, and Sarah Mosley, who are just dynamic hitters. I mean, a lot of their lineup can absolutely just home run for home run. So. Uh, Next up, you match up with Tennessee, a team you beat in the semifinals last year to advance to to the World Series. You took them down 5-1, but they were the number four overall national seed. So it's a really good program with some really good talent. Yep. I mean, I kind of expect them to go the same route this season. Tennessee's going to be absolutely dominant, I believe, in the SEC again. 
Um, they do lose out on Ashley Rogers, who, I mean, Ashley Rogers was Tennessee softball, in my opinion, especially the last three or four years. Um, so they lose out on her in the circle. They lose out on Mackenzie Donahue, who just recently medically retired. Um, she was supposed to be coming back for the season, but now she would be medically retiring from the sport. So that is sad to see, but I mean, that's a spot in their lineup that's now gone. Um, they lose out on Lair Boutte, who transferred to Houston. She was, I believe, their second baseman. And then just a pitcher, They uh, Nicholas Simpson transferred to Seattle. So they lose out on two pitchers, um, but they still have Carlin Pickens, the SEC Freshman of the Year, who I, I mean, if you ever talked to me about Carlin Pickens last year, I was absolutely raving about her. I love her. Um, and she kind of struggled towards the end of the season. Um, she was really hot in the start of the season. Towards the end, it kind of was like, you know, maybe that freshman fear a little bit, but I'm hoping she can really bounce back and be the first half of the season Carlin that she was this next year. Um, they bring back Kiki Malloy and Peyton Gottschall in the circle. If you know Tennessee, you know Kiki Malloy. Um, she's absolutely outstanding, all SEC first team player last year. And then Peyton Gottschall, I assume, is kind of that 1A, 1B with Carlin. Peyton does have more of the experience, obviously, but um, she was 16-2 and two last season with a team-leading 29 appearances. So I would assume she'd be a little bit more of the ace, but um, with Carlin right there, it could go either way. Um, they also bring in two transfers, Laura Miller from Middle Tennessee, and then Sophia Nugent, who um, transfers over from OU, who I will assume will be their starting catcher. Uh, but, I mean, having an OU player on roster, pretty good, in my opinion. Um, she was <laughs> the first... She was a top-ranked catcher coming out of high school in 2021. So she does bring over that really great experience. Just with OU, she wouldn't have gotten that kind of same experience, at least for a couple seasons. So she transfers over to Tennessee. They bring in three really great freshmen. They bring in a pair of twins, Alana and Gabby Leach, who are both extra innings ranked uh, players, as well as Bella Faw, who is also ranked in extra innings. That again is that Sunday primetime spot of that uh, the big tournament here in Clearwater. It's uh, I'm sure I'm going to make a trip to one of these games. Don't know which. Maybe that Tennessee game is probably the most likely if I had to guess. Um, from that tournament, to, uh, I don't want to call it a bit of a of a step down, but a, but hopefully a calmer weekend as they host the Dugout Club Classic. It's FIU, Nichols, and Charleston Southern. Anything high level, big there. That one ends on a Saturday, presumably, so they can make the next uh, cross country trip here. Yeah, it's kind of that little, I don't want to say rest period, because if you rest, I mean, honestly, any one of these teams can beat you if you're not uh, looking too carefully. Um, but like you said, FIU, Nichols, Charleston Southern, they're not power five schools, but they will give you really great experience going over to Oregon um, the next week. Um, FIU brings back a pretty good amount of their lineup. They don't really lose too many people. Um they bring back their pitching and hitting leaders. So that's really great. They bring over Casey Goguts from USC Upstate as um, a grad transfer in their lineup. So she had a 381 career batting average over at South Carolina Upstate. So they bring in a transfer, which is always nice. Um, Nichols, like kind of like FIU, they just have a lot of returners. So they don't lose too much, which is great, but they do lose their top um batting leader um, Melissa Gosen so that kind of is unfortunate for them but they bring back um, two um, all Southland first team selections so they bring back Aaron Krause and Alexis Poach 
um, who were all batting over 300 last season. And they bring back Audrey McNeil and Molly Yu in the circle who had roughly a two um, ERA. So, and all had over 130 innings in the circle. So they bring back a really great amount of experience. Um, and then lastly, they have Charleston Southern who they only have a, like two key losses, I would say. They bring over a Power 5 transfer, Kendall Cook from Missouri. I believe she didn't really play that much at while she was at Missouri. But in my opinion, Power 5 SEC experience is Power 5 SEC experience and really great, especially for a school like Charleston Southern. So that's really great for them. Um, they do bring back, um, like, the other, like these other two schools, um, a really good amount of their lineup. They bring back Westland Jones, who had a 261 batting average. Cadence Walding, she had 45 appearances and a 245 batting average. And they bring back Anna Judge, who had a 19 and 9 record and led the Big South in complete games and shutouts. So I believe she would be their ace. Um, and I would assume you would see her matching up with Florida State in the circle. Like I mentioned, that one ends on Saturday because they've got the cross country trip the following weekend. It's at the University of Oregon's tournament, March 1st and 2nd, up there in the Pacific Northwest, Gwen's part of the world. It's a pair of doubleheaders. Uh, Friday, you get Mount St. Mary's in Maryland. Saturday, it's Washington and Oregon. I'll start with Friday. Anything to note on uh, Mount St. Mary's or Maryland? Um, Mount St. Mary, they do lose their pitching and hitting leaders. Uh, Mariah Goad was for the hitting side and Avery Newhart for the pitching. Um, so you kind of lose two of your really great pitchers. One fun fact I saw on their freshman, um, Taylor Williams is part of the Israeli national team. I do not know how that will translate to her production at Mount St. Mary, but I mean, national team experience is really great. So that's great for her and being on Mount St. Mary. They bring back um, three or four of their really great players, especially in the circle. Um, they bring back Olivia Murphy, who was 10 and six with a 2.34 ERA and Maddie Coleman, who had a 2.16 ERA and was five and six. Um, so those are more so of their pitchers. And then Maryland, very interesting team. I would say they did go through a head coaching change this last season. So they bring in Lauren Karn from Oakland, who was the Oakland head coach from 2018 to 2023. Um, and this is a team that is losing a lot, in my opinion. They lose Trinity Schlotterback to FAU. They lose Cameron Davis to UC Riverside, Kylie Goff to Louisville, Amelia Leck to Auburn. Um, so a lot of their really great players have transferred outside of the program, I would assume just because of the head coaching change. Um, but they do bring in Diamond Williams, who spent three years at Mercer and one year at Coastal Carolina. And over at Mercer, she led the team in pretty much every hitting category and did the same at Coastal Carolina. So she's a really great hitter to bring in. I I personally think to fill the role of Trinity Schlotterback, who was an outstanding hitter for Maryland. Um, and they bring over Brianna Godfrey from Marshall. Um, didn't really play a lot, but she was kind of that player off the bench and mostly just to run. Um, and they also bring in Maisie McFarland from Utah State, who was a four-year starter. So they bring in some experience, especially with Diamond. I really like that move. Um, and they have two really great freshmen, Julia Schreyer, who was a two-time Pennsylvania Gatorade Player of the Year, and Delaney Rafe, who was the Maryland Gatorade Player of the Year. But they do bring back um, Courtney Weish in the circle, who last season took down Oklahoma State and Oregon. So 
maybe she's looking to do that again. Um, but she was an all Big Ten second team selection with a 3.28 ERA. And then they also bring back Jada McFarland, who led the team in batting average, hits, runs, doubles, and triples. A, a loaded Saturday as part of this tournament. You get Washington, a team you matched up in the quarterfinals last year, and that winner's bracket on your side of the Women's College World Series. And uh, Oregon, who won the Fayetteville Regional, eventually losing to Oklahoma State there. Um, this is a fun back-to-back, and I think one that really tests you um, pretty early in the season or in first weekend of March. Yeah, I, I I would I would agree with that. Um, Washington, first up, they do lose a lot of their team, but I think there's still going to be a really great, powerful, dynamic, push-you-to-the-limits team. So they lose about, uh, I would say, seven players, um, two to the transfer portal and Jadalyn Alchin, like I said earlier, and then Kelly Lynch transferred to LSU. Um, and they do lose Bailey Klingler, Madison Husky, Sammy Reynolds, Silent Rain Espinoza, and Megan Vandergrift graduation. Um, but they bring in Jillian Sellis from San Diego State, who was a four-year starter over there. And they bring in Haley Winclair, who's a junior college transfer from Bellevue College and was the Golden Glove catcher of the year for um, Bellevue College. She had a perfect fielding percentage in 172 chances, which... I I mean, pretty good. That's pretty <laughs> Can't good. do much better I than mean, that. Yeah. Whether you're a junior college uh, kid or not, that's outstanding. So, uh, they bring back Ruby Malin in the circle, Kinsey Fiedler in the outfield, and then Lindsay Lopez also in the circle. So they do return a lot of their pitching staff despite losing Kelly Lynch. Um, but Ruby Malin was that dynamic pitcher that they really needed last season to help them get where they got. Um, and in other news for Washington, they bring back. A lot of their alumni um, on the coaching staff. So they bring back Victoria Hayward, who was previously at San Diego State um, and spent time on the Canadian national team. She's their assistant coach. Courtney Gano comes back as an assistant coach as well. Both have professional playing experience. And then Sis Bates, a few years ago, she is their player development director, I believe. And then Sammy Reynolds transitions from a coach to, or transitions from a player to student assistant coach. So a lot of familiar faces around Washington, which I think will be great for them just in terms of experience playing at Washington, playing at the level that they're at. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really great for Washington. Like last season, Washington will probably be another really hard game um, despite losing players like Bailey Klingler and Madison Husky. Um, and then we transfer over to Oregon. This is, a homecoming game, obviously, for McKenna Reed, who is, I believe, from the Portland area. Um, so she comes back to Oregon and gets to face her home state team or hometown team, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, so you lose Allison Benning to the transfer portal and you lose um, two seniors in Tara McGowan and Allie Bunker, who were just absolutely great for the Ducks the past several years. Um, but they do bring in three freshmen that are all ranked on the extra innings elite 100 list um and then you have i believe three returners to look out for in stevie hansen in the circle who has a career 2.92 era um and then Paige sinicki who was on the all pack 12 defensive team and a 250 career batting average and then this last season is the last season for morgan scott in the circle who transferred over from uconn or not uconn greensboro unc greensboro a few seasons ago um, so she is returning in the circle with 
a 13 and seven record and led the Pac-12 in saves last season. So really great experience in the circle. They don't lose a lot in that department. They just kind of lose it um, in the batting. Um, they also bring off um, Emma Kauf from Georgia Tech, who was a three-time All-ACC selection, um, career batting average of 344 and second in Georgia Tech um, career doubles. So she's really great with the bat as well. Um, I kind of assume she'll be that primary catcher for the Ducks just because they lose Tara McGowan, who was their starting catcher. Um, they also bring over Trinity Holden from Portland State and Kaya Pollard from UF, who didn't really play much at UF. Um, but yeah, going over to the Ducks. And they also bring in Sydney Romero as their assistant coach, who spent this last season at Duke as their assistant coach, but played under Melissa Lombardi at Oklahoma, who Melissa Lombardi is the head coach of Oregon now. So re, uh, reunited uh, for Sydney and uh, Melissa, which is fun. A little bit of here, a little bit of there, a little bit of everybody everywhere. Yep. When Florida State comes back from that road trip, again, that one ends on a Saturday, taking care of the players. Got to appreciate that. They're at FGCU for the spring break classic the following weekend down in Fort Myers. They'll play Purdue and FTCU on Friday and then Purdue and Western Michigan on Saturday. So you run into another doubleheader Friday, doubleheader Saturday. Anything stand out to you from Purdue, FTCU, or Western Michigan? Purdue, they are also going through a head coaching change this last season. Um, so they bring in a head coach that was on staff the last couple of years. Her name is Miguelie Frizzotti, I believe is how you pronounce it. So she is sticking around with Purdue, which is nice. You like to see, but they just because of that, they do lose um, a few players to the transfer portal. Um, they lose Bella Bacon, Alex Casaretto, I believe. Um, and they also lose Sydney Wimpy. So they lose Alex, who was their leading hitter, and then Sydney, who was their leading pitcher um, to the transfer portal, which you don't want to see. But I mean, Purdue hasn't really been that great in the Big Ten historically the last couple of seasons. So they're looking for a little bit of a change, but they do bring back Maddie Elish in the circle, who had a 3.31 ERA. And they bring back some really great hitters in Tiana, Tiarina Jones and Kiara Dillon. I'm living for you having to pronounce last names you haven't seen before. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just need to have not hard last names to pronounce. Then we'll be fine. Well, you also just read them for the first time. It's hard when you've only read them and you've yeah, never I... heard them spoken out loud. It's a little more difficult. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, then. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to go back uh, to FGCU. So um, like Brian said, after Purdue, they take on Florida Gulf Coast. Um, they only lose about two players, which is pretty good. Um, and they bring back three really great players in Allie Hume in the circle. Emily Chiarella, who's an all A-Sun freshman team last season. And then Tiffany Meek, who was also an all-A-Sun freshman team player as well. So not too much change on Florida Gulf Coast, just a lot of turnover or returning, I should say. And anything on Western Michigan? Western Michigan, kind of a big list, I would say. They have about five transfers, um, none of Power 5 experience, um, but five transfers is really great. Um, they only lose about three players to graduation, and then... I was pleasantly surprised at this freshman class. So they have four players who are all ranked on the extra innings elite 100 list, um, two pitchers, and then two utility players, which I was pleasantly surprised for a team like Western Michigan. Um, and they um, bring back Addison Hudson, who led the team in batting average and on-base percentage, and then 
Rissa Bouches, who had just over 3.0 ERA. So really great freshman class coming in. I'm interested to see how many of those actually play um, and start and play against Florida State. The Knolls then fall in love with another doubleheader. They've got South Dakota State coming to Tallahassee uh, that following week. Anything on the Jackrabbits? Yeah, I think South Dakota State is kind of the team that always goes to regionals. Um, They were just in the Orlando Regional a few seasons ago. Um, So they're historically a pretty good team, especially coming out of, you know, South Dakota, the the Dakotas region. Um, They do have one freshman, Trinity Kenimer, who is on the extra innings list that I mentioned earlier. They have two transfers who, one from App State and one from Arkansas, both didn't really play a lot at their respective schools. Um, and they bring back three players, Mia Jakarik, um, 337 batting average, Jocelyn Carrillo, 317 batting average, and then Tori Kanish in the circle who had a sub-2 ERA, which is outstanding. Next up, it's Alabama, literally the next day, coming to town. Uh, the Tide, another one of those teams that have uh, been strong, another team that went to the Women's College World Series a year ago, uh, lost to Tennessee and then lost to Stanford. Um, so two and out there, but again, a, a, you've got more than half of the College World Series field on your on your season, on your your uh, schedule here. So you get another one, and it's another midweek test here. Yeah, I mean, if you follow softball, you obviously know that Alabama loses the GOAT. Uh, Um, so she's no longer at the program um, which for Alabama really unfortunate really sad for softball fans really unfortunate and really sad but for Florida State fans really great Um, they also lose Allie Shipman and Allie Prangy to graduation Um, like I said earlier they lose a couple uh, a couple transfers to the transfer portal but none that were like impact players so that's a positive for Alabama I kind of see this Alabama team is being a little bit of an enigma. Um, they only have, I believe, two freshmen on roster. They have Jocelyn Brisky, who is um, a seventh-ranked extra innings pitcher, which is really great to have a really great pitcher coming in when you lose someone like Montana Fouts. And I, I believe like the biggest off-season transaction for um, Alabama was the transfer of Kayla Beaver from Central Arkansas, who was absolutely outstanding at central arkansas you know helped them get to where they got in the circle she had a sub two era 1.15 to be exact and was a us usa softball player of the year finalist and coming from a school like central arkansas that is outstanding so kayla beaver um comes over you kind of expect her to fill that montana fouts role and just the accolades that she brings over um, they also bring in Aaliyah Johnson in the circle from LSU. Didn't really see a lot of playing time there. Kinley Pate from Samford um, didn't really see a lot of playing time with the Bulldogs. And then Riley Valentine from Texas A&M. So a little bit of mix of transfers that they bring in, which is great, um, but not a lot of experience. Just Kayla Beaver headlining those four players. And they also bring back Jayla Torrance in the circle, who the last several seasons didn't really get to see a lot of playing time but once again that was because Montana Fouts was on the team but last season when Montana was dealing with a little bit of injury she kind of stepped in when really needed um, and delivered for the team they also bring back Kenley Cahalen um, and Bailey Dowling with their bats Um, Bailey has that experience and then Kenley is just entering to be a sophomore so 
like I said, a little bit of an enigma, but I'm excited to see where they go. Um, they also bring in Kayla Bro as an assistant coach. And if you watch softball, you know she is an analyst. She's been on the broadcast side um, since she graduated from Alabama. So she's an alum coming back to the program and leaving ESPN. So that's exciting. It's been a, it, this is a run here uh, in the midweeks where you go. I don't, it's not exactly three straight weeks because you got the one week with a buy in it, but three midweek games in a row where you get tournament teams. Texas is the next one on the list. Uh, hosted a regional a year ago, swept their way through it, then got swept out of the super regionals against Tennessee. Uh, one game against the Longhorns in Tallahassee. What do you expect here? Yeah, I, Texas always a really great team. They've always had really great pitching and really solid hitting as well. They only really kind of lose a transfer, um, so they don't really graduate anyone. Um, Courtney Day just transferred over to Ole Miss, so they do lose out on her. Um, but they always bring in a really, really outstanding freshman class. So this incoming class, they have six players all ranked um, by extra innings, um, and three of them or two of them are in the top 10 and then four are in the top 15. So really, really great freshman class. Um, like we said earlier in our ACC preview, they only bring in one transfer who is Jolie Mitchell from Notre Dame, who was a four-year starter and a first team all ACC and last season led the Irish in batting average. So they bring in another really solid bat just to complement all the bats that they already have. Um, and those bats, would be Mia Scott and Katie Simmons are my players to kind of look out for. Mia Scott was an all Big 12 first team selection. And then Katie Simmons had a two, a 0.272 batting average and a 472 slugging. So really great bats. And then they bring back Sophia Simpson in the circle as well as Estelle Check and Mac Morgan. Um, all have been at Texas for the past several years. So they know the Texas pitching staff. They know Big 12 pitching, they know power five pitching, all that kind of stuff. Um, so really great experience in the circle for Texas to return. You're in a really probably fun part of the schedule here. You're, you're in conference play. You're playing these great teams. You get Alabama and Texas in back-to-back weeks. You take that week off, as I mentioned, in, on March 27th. You come back the following week, you got two week midweek games against McNeese, a team that Probably should have won that Seattle regional a year ago, beating Washington. They they really pushed them to the limits. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like a seven run yep. seventh or an eight run seventh to win to win that one for Washington. Uh, but McNeese is a team; um, they're very good. Louisiana's got some great softball teams. Yep, they do. Um, they only lose three players to graduation, but unfortunately, two of those are their hitting and pitching leaders. And that's a problem. Alice, I believe it's Alice Seneca and then Whitney Tate in the circle. Um, they bring in some really great freshmen, Briley Fontenot, extra innings ranked, Bella Perez, and then Samantha Mundy as well. Um, and then returning, I really, when I was typing this up, I was really excited because this is just a really fun, fun fact. Um, but our current freshman, Isabella Torres, her sister plays for McNeese um, and led the team. Her name is Mariana. She led the team in doubles and rbi so that'll be really fun kind of a family reunion down in tallahassee um and then they also bring back reese reyna who was second on the team in batting average hits total bases walks and on base percentage and in the circle they bring back ashley vallejo who had 33 appearances and 26 starts 
13 complete games in 152 innings pitch and had a 2.25 ERA. The Noles take another midweek off, come back the following week with Alabama State coming to Tallahassee. Anything major for my Alabama State? Mm, not too much. This is kind of where my list starts to dwindle down a little bit, but they do lose about three players. One of them was their hitting leader in Madison Myers, so that is pretty unfortunate for Alabama State. And they have one freshman ranked by extra innings, but she was ranked in 2021. So take that with a grain of salt if you want to. Um, but that's Kendall Smiley. So, I mean, nonetheless, she comes in as a really great freshman. Um, none of the other freshmen were ranked in extra innings. So, And they also have one transfer from Alcorn State and then three returners um, that I think are to look out for. Jada Gardner, 361 batting average. Elena Scott, 327 batting average. And then Bailey Greenlee, 3.01 um, ERA in 153 innings last season. The last opponent non-conference uh, is, uh, no surprise, it's Florida. It's at Florida first. You go to Gainesville, you come back, you get the Gators in Tallahassee back-to-back weeks. I- I'm not even really going to uh, dive around it. What's the big deal with the Gators this year? I mean, last season, you saw so much departure in the circle, whether that was graduation, transfer portal, kind of just leaving the team. Um, and for a while, it was like, oh, my God, what is Florida going to do in the circle? Um, they do bring in um, two really, really, I, I cannot even say really, like, it's they're just so good kind of thing. They're really outstanding. Um, they bring in Keegan Rothrock, who sit down for these accolades, PGF All-American, two-time Indiana Gatorade Player of the Year. 2022 National Softball Player of the Year, 2022 Extra Innings Player of the Year. Um, And they bring in also Ava Brown. Um, Ava Brown is a two-way player, so she can pitch and hit. Keegan is just a pitcher. Um, Ava, same long list of accolades. 2023 Gatorade Best Female Athlete. That's in the whole country. Uh, 2023 National Softball Gatorade Player of the Year. 23 Texas Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, also in 2022, PGF All-American, and then 2023, Max Preps Player of the Year. So they bring in, you know, very talented freshmen, but again, they are also still freshmen. Um, so you can look at that however you, you want, um, whether that's they don't really have much experience in the circle. They do bring in um, Mackenzie Wooten from Virginia, um, didn't really play a lot at Virginia, so not really a lot of experience there. Um, so it's kind of a little bit writing on these freshmen in the circle because they do lose in the circle Lexi Delbry, Elizabeth Hightower, Olivia Giganti, and Riley Trilicek. So they lost more, I think, than they brought in, no matter the experience and um, accolades that they have. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see where Florida goes with that and what happens um, a little bit of it of enigma if you're looking at it that way um still with freshmen they bring in Cassie mcclellan and mia williams who are also pgf all-americans so really great freshmen as well um i think their transfer class is really where they shine like i said they bring in mackenzie wooten from virginia corby otis comes over from louisville was a 2023 all acc first team selection and led the cardinals in a couple offensive categories as well they bring in Jocelyn Erickson from Oklahoma, who was a really talented recruit for the Sooners a year ago. So 
she didn't really see a lot at Oklahoma and wasn't really going to, which is why she transferred over to Florida. And they bring in Brooke Barnard from Ole Miss as well, who didn't really see a lot of playing time. But I think really solid transfer class, um, just to complement the people you already have, like Skylar Wallace and Kendra Falby, who are absolutely outstanding. When you look at the schedule as a whole, uh, we kind of covered the conference part of it, and obviously you don't really have any control over that, but obviously you you control your non-conference. Um, a lot of really good teams on here, a lot of competitive games, even if they're not, um, you know, it, it's not the trip to Stillwater and Norman you had a year ago, but um, obviously the Clearwater Invitational has a lot of good teams. You're bringing in a Charlotte who made a regional and, and pushed a team like Duke that was... Uh, I don't want to say just as good as you a year ago, but, but, you know, at least in the ballpark, um, mm-hmm. you're bringing in a McNeese, you're bringing, you're heading to Eugene for, you know, a competitive tournament there, um, getting out even the Florida Gulf coast one, right. You know, you're, you're not playing in a ballpark you're used to at least kind of testing yourself some, what do you make of it? What, what do you like? What do you not like? Is there anything that you kind of, you know, it's good. Yeah. I, I really like the schedule overall. And like we said, obviously we know the caliber of teams like, the teams in Clearwater and Oregon and everything like that. But like these mid-major group of five schools, like, you know, the FAMUs, the Mount St. Mary's, the Western Michigan's, like, you know, softball is getting better as a whole. And like all these like player, these teams are benefiting from it as well. So like Western Michigan has a really great freshman class coming in. Power five players are transferring to schools like Charleston Southern. So, you know, all these schools are benefiting from, the parity in softball, which is really great. Um, and that also means like if you're Florida State playing in Alabama State, you really can't take that day off. Like you have to be as prepared as you are going to be for Florida. Um, so I think that's really great as well. Yeah, I, I like it. If there was one thing I could maybe point at, there's not a lot of true road opportunities here. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of the Oregon tournament and then at Gainesville, the rest of it, uh, even the Alabama, the Texas, it's all at home. Uh, but you presume this team is largely playing at home in the games that matter. You're, you're playing um, probably a regional at home. I imagine you're you're ideally hosting a super regional. And then it's on Oklahoma City. And kind of from there, I think that's where you're just going to rely on who you are. Um, I guess the only thing you could argue is if you're playing Oklahoma, it's basically a road game because Oklahoma is Oklahoma. But, um, you know, if that's what your season comes down to, I can't imagine playing at Texas one random day is going to be what changes your ability at that spot. Yeah, and I think maybe we can probably touch on this now and a little bit when we get into the team preview, but obviously there there's a lot of turnover from this team, like a lot of changes going on. You know, a lot of people left last season that have been, you know, four-year starters for us. And bringing in te- bringing in teams like Texas and Alabama, you know, maybe is a little bit of a chess match maybe on coach's part to be like, we're still playing these great teams, but for these players that we're trying to give the experience to who haven't gotten it like it's a little bit of a comfort feeling knowing we're playing at home rather than going and playing at Alabama or playing at Texas um, or playing at Oklahoma or whatever Um, but you still get that road experience where you need it like Oregon and Washington Um, but yeah just just giving the players who haven't had you know the four years of experience like Josie or Catherine have gotten you know they were ready to go out and go to Texas or wherever you want to go um and these players like okay we're giving you a little bit of a a good feeling that you're playing at home against these really great teams so I mean we'll see how the committee looks at that later on down the season when you know um regionals and stuff start coming out but 
I think, you know, it doesn't really matter that we're playing at home versus Texas versus if we went to Texas. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference for, you know, resume building and those sorts of things. You imagine this is a team that's plenty good enough uh, to make a tournament, plenty yeah. good enough to be in the conversational as regional hosts and, and you know, presumably, you know, put yourself in one of those top eight national seeds and, and be in position to host Super Regional as well. I, I can't imagine, um, you know, the splitting of hairs of at Texas or at Alabama. I mean, you like we mentioned, you've got, I think it's like 10 tournament teams on here four of the seven other teams in the college world series on here you've got um like i mentioned two other super regional teams on here like you've got a very strong um, amount of talented teams here plus others that were regional bound so i mean i i don't think that there's much in the way of splitting of hairs there but uh i it, it certainly sets up to be a very fun schedule yeah absolutely uh, our next episode is going to be a team preview, I believe, probably two weeks from now or so to kind of put us right at the start of the year, um, two weeks after that. And then we'll probably just keep our two week pattern going throughout the season. I know we already touched on, um, I may or may not dip out here in mid April with a baby, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, there will definitely be a baby, which is whether or not the baby <laughs> decides I'm not going to be here to, uh do the show or if you know because Gwen's on the west coast and i'm up at 2 a.m feeding the baby a bottle and i'm just gonna be like yeah forget it let's just do it um we'll see how that goes but uh we'll probably keep our two-week schedule going forward so probably back that second or third week of of january i guess it's third or fourth week of january um so that'll be the next episode but in the meantime i promised it gwen was mad at me the other day um you mentioned it earlier i went to the sugar bowl um, I was in New Orleans for 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 the holidays and visiting family and things, and uh, I love the Washington Huskies. Ugh, what a bad thing to say. Oh, that's my school now. I'm so sorry. In case anyone has missed it, Gwen works where? Washington State. At that, yeah, Washington State, the university, not the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I did send you a picture. There was there was some old crimson representation running through the upper decks of the of the Superdome. Um. But yeah, I got to the point. Here's my thing. So I was sitting in the Washington side, right in the middle of the upper deck. And um, I wouldn't define the people as cordial. Like, you know, I sat down next to him and there wasn't much of like a, hey, how are you? Or like, you know, it was just like I was just another. I could have been we were basically all in our own little pods. You know, (laughs) it was like no one was sitting right next to me, which is fine. You don't have to be my best friend to sit next to me in a football game. It's whatever. Um but like the cheering for the football was very polite, like good play, Kevin, or, you know, like, I'm like, you know, how nice, how kind. Um, but like they scored. Uh, did you watch the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, I think uh, Penix throws the one that like it hits the guy in the hands, pops up in the air and then he scores and he catches it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And like everyone was like, woo, touchdown. And like, I'm like, come on come on and then you know like yeah. I may, I'm, I'm like I, I started leading cheers and like let's go come on because you know i don't like texas but uh yeah i i became a a husky super fan it was it was whose house and barking mm-hmm. on sacks and yeah i'm all about it so so uh, did they're you gonna, they're gonna probably lose tomorrow but that's neither so here did here. you go into the game being like okay i'm just gonna go and kind of cheer against texas and then left as a washington fan or did you go in and be like i'm rooting for washington uh, so we didn't really have a plan. We were, we went, my friend and I were, we went our, uh, my wife and I's baby shower was the day before and we were sitting around just talking and, 
he was like, man, I just feel like I'm in town. I should be going to this college football playoff game, right? Like, there's a playoff game in town. We should go. And I was like, I feel the same way. And he's like, you didn't even have tickets until the day before? Uh, not even like two hours before. Dang, yeah, okay. We went, we went, we went down to New Orleans and just said, let's go drinking and then buy tickets right before the game. So like two hours before, I was like, let's just buy tickets and go. Let's just do nice. it. So our tickets were on the Washington side and we were like, well, we're in then. My friend is moving to Seattle. Um, so he was like, that's my new hometown team. We should, we should cheer for them. And I was like, well, we'll see where we're sitting. Cause I'm not going to sit on the Texas side and start cheering for Washington. Fair. Uh, but we were in the middle of the Washington group and I was like, we're in, this is us. Well, I was like, we were at the bar. Like, what do we do? Do we bark? What are we doing? The, no. like, the guy's like, yeah, we got Don't. some barking, a little bit of Don't barking. Oh, Brian. It wasn't at people. It was just, you know, into I mean, the still, air. yeah. Uh, you know, they get a sack and just, <laughs> it's weird. Cause Huskies, I think of more of like, a, Ooh. yeah, like it's a, a howl. Yeah, but you know, whatever. It was fun. I liked it. It was a natural transition for another purple and gold team for me. So uh, they'll go. probably get stomped by Michigan, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. It feels like it. It just feels like I just Texas ran the ball all over them. And I don't think Texas is. I mean, Texas starting running back got hurt earlier in the year and the backup is fine, but I'm, I'm terrified of what Michigan looks like. Yeah, that's true. I had a few when I was coming back because I flew into Spokane uh wednesday and there were like a few husky fans like in my shuttle to the to the <laughs> parking lot that were at the game and they were talking about it and i was just sitting there like being mad well i i'm gonna cheer for them tomorrow regardless and you guys will pro- probably already know the result by the time you hear this if i had to guess but um you know you get to know if gwen's happy or i'm happy either way um we'll i see. would be i would be happy if because, you know, with the whole Pac-12 lawsuit thing, I don't know the actual answer to this because I've heard different things from different people. But so one thing I've heard is that, like, if you, if UW wins, like, that money, like, goes back to Oregon State and Washington State because, like, the, you know. Yeah, I think the, the collective bargaining and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I don't think that's true. So I don't, because I don't think, like, playoff money counts towards that. So, I'm not I a lawyer. Know. I don't know how it works. I'm I sure there'll be lawsuits regardless. Because if if it does, then I'll cheer for Washington. <laughs> you know, You're like, I love money. the money. Yes, give us <laughs> the funding. We would like the funding. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see. We'll have a fun time there with that. And then uh, we'll have to find something else fun for the two of us to do for the next episode. But uh, yeah, it was the last minute. Let's just go and let's figure it out. Although if, if Gwen's Washington State people ever need someone to fly the flag at game day here in Tampa for some reason, just let me know. I'm all about I mean, it. I'm here. When, because I'm going to Ireland for FSU Georgia Tech. Yeah. College game day is going. So... So I'm you, finding I'm finding a way to bring old Crimson over to Ireland. You're sure. doing it. You I'm are going it. to be old Crimson. That's going to be fun. We'll enjoy Ireland. That should be a blast. Yes. We'll do a pod while you're there for no reason at all other than <laughs> to just do it. Yeah. No, but that'll be fun. Uh, so again, next episode will probably be two weeks from now. So look for it probably the week of the 21st, 22nd, I guess, depending on how you your calendar is set up, whether you like your Mondays is the start of the week or your Sundays. Um, and uh, we'll do our team preview then, and then we'll get the season kicked off two weeks after that so um until then go huskies no no (laughs) no we'll see you then later guys thanks for listening